0: show with Dylan James out of bounds JT Taylor across the table for me as always and tonight we have a great show we have a lot of content to get to we have a very special guest that will be joining us in just a few seconds Um, so really we're not doing much in this intro like we usually do because we want to get to his content because we have some really really good stuff we're talking about tonight we're talking about the NFL we're talking about Uh, Carmelo Anthony and his future, we're talking about um, the NHL with mounting injuries that are happening there, we're talking about Le'Veon Bell not showing up for um, the deadline to actually play this season, things of that nature, so we have some really, really good stuff to get to, so we're not going to, uh, we're going to skip the pleasantries this week, and get straight to the college pick'em, so JT, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks Dylan, and I don't really blame you if you want to skip pleasantries, because it is currently 52 degrees outside, and it is freezing, and I need to stay warm. So let's it do it. It
0: is freezing out there. So let's go just go to College Pick'Em for Week 12. Um, at the end of the season, we'll actually break down how we did with the College Pick'Em's week after week. But uh, let's start first with the big College Game Day game, which I will be going to the College Game Day tomorrow morning, uh, Cincinnati versus UCF.
1: Yeah, don't it's going to be a big game on national television, 8 o'clock Eastern time, UCF against Cincinnati. UCF coming or excuse me UCF Cincinnati coming on a three game winning streak and their defense is going to be number one in the, in the conference but I think like I mentioned UCF they're going to be motivated they know they got no no chance to make the playoff at this point but I think Joe Hypo he- is going to motivate this team to get them going and they're going to make an impressive performance on national television because you know everybody's going to be watching this game Everybody's been watching them and they're going to score a lot of points and Cincinnati they're going to hang in there they're going to make it tough for them. They're going to try to slow the game down, you know, and keep it close. But I think UCF
0: gets it done, and they remain undefeated. I think UCF will m- remain undefeated as well, and I think UCF will prove to Kirk Herbstreit that he was wrong in doubting them because they are actually a really good football team, and I think this week they'll show it against Cincinnati, which it's the first ranked opponent that UCF has played this season. So it'll be really, really good for them to play up against Cincinnati on live television, on a national stage like this. UCF with the win at UCF. Um, Let's go to the next game, Iowa State versus Texas. I pretty much know who you're going to pick this week, but I'll let you say it anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, Dylan, Texas, if they play like they did last week, Sam Ellinger getting four touchdowns, we definitely got a shot. Iowa State, their defense is really good. They've won five games in a row, ever since they had Brock Purdy as their quarterback. He has led them to five straight victories and they're going to also miss uh, David Montgomery. He's going to miss the first half of the game because he's going to be suspended. So this is going to be a big opportunity for Texas to run up a score and try to keep it up because, Dylan, whoever wins this game is still in the Big 12 title race. So I'm going to go with the Longhorns on this one, Dylan, and I expect them to win, especially, Dylan, because West Virginia plays Oklahoma State. If they lose, we're back in it, Dylan.
0: I think Texas will win this game. Um, Iowa State, yes, you did say they have a stout defense, but I still think Texas will sling the ball around like Ellinger does usually every single week, um, especially after the big win last week. So I think Texas will definitely win this game. Let's move to Syracuse at Notre Dame. I think we both know it's Notre Dame, right?
1: Yeah, Dylan, I have to go with Notre Dame. I mean, Syracuse, look, they've been close in a lot of games, in a few games this year. They were close against Clemson. They had Clemson on the ropes who were on their third-string quarterback, but they didn't get it done. They played Pittsburgh, went to overtime, lost, didn't get it done. And I expect it's going to be close against Notre Dame. But guess what, Dylan? Ian Brooke, he missed the last game. He's going to play in this game. Yes, the Notre Dame's going to play in those awful-looking pinstripes. I know under them, I know they're sponsoring them. But I just don't think they look great. But <laughs> they are going, Notre Dame's going to win that game. Because they Notre Dame knows, Dylan, if they beat Syracuse and they beat USC next week, they're in the playoff. So I don't see Syracuse stopping them. Their defense will hang in there. But in the end, the Fighting Irish will get it done.
0: Yes, sir, they will. I believe so as well. Let's move to West Virginia at Oklahoma State. West Virginia has a lot riding on this game because Will Greer is trying to get the Heisman this season, and if he wants to become a solid contender, he still has to win the last two games of the year, in my opinion. Um, Oklahoma State will be a big challenge for him. Um, what do you think, JT?
1: Yes, Dylan. It's going to be another road test for West Virginia. And you look at West Virginia on the road, Dylan. They've had like, close games. They barely got past Texas – in that uh, two-point conversion play. When they played Iowa State on the road, they lost. And then they had another close game against Texas Tech and barely got out of that game alive. So now they're playing Oklahoma State on the road, and then they got Oklahoma, the last game of the season. And like you said, I think Oklahoma State, they're, they are still recovering from that loss against Oklahoma last week. I think they're still going to struggle. Oklahoma State, Cowboys, it's going to be close. But like you said, Will Greer, he's going to find a way to pull it through. And West Virginia gets by the the Cowboys, and it's on to Oklahoma against Sooners next week.
0: If they would have won against Oklahoma last week, I think it would have been a different story. I think Oklahoma State would have had some uh, momentum going into this game, and they would have actually beat West Virginia. But I really don't see any scenario where Oklahoma State goes in and actually beats Will Greer and the Mountaineers. So I think the Mountaineers will run away with this game.
1: Well, remember, Dylan, Oklahoma State has had their number the last three years beating them. So it's going to be close. But like I said, I think West Virginia is going to finally turn around this year.
0: I think so, too. Uh, let's move on to the last game. Duke at Clemson. Does Duke have a chance?
1: No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I, I don't mean that but, despite uh, Duke fans. Uh, but Clemson, they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done. they will going to blow out Duke. And it's not going to be a close game. So, I think Clemson will win. Uh, Dylan, did you know, because Florida State plays this weekend, they play Boston College. If they lose this game, they ain't going to go to a bowl game. and they don't go to a bowl game, Dylan, it'll be the first time since 1981. That's the last time they missed a bowl game.
0: I think that'll be something that will be a benefit to them in the long run, though. If they lose out on the bowl game this year, I think Florida State will realize they have to look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what who they are, what their identity is. Um, and I think that if they do lose this game that i mean again it 's a wake up call i think I think that's a good thing for a team to have um especially not having uh you know your old coach Jimbo Fisher there anymore, him being over there with the aggies so um, I th- even though it's tough to see a f- team like Florida State not make it into a bowl game, I think it'll be a good thing for them in the long run. But um, speaking about Clemson and Duke, Clemson will run all over Duke this weekend. There's no chance for Duke to win this game. So I think Clemson will pull this one out and continue um, to the College Football Playoff, uh, their current race to the College Football Playoff.
1: All right, guys, and one piece of College Football News real quick. Sports Illustrated is reporting that Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks football team are finalizing a deal to bring him on to coach that team. So another exciting coach coming to the Big 12.
0: Can't wait. And now we have a very special guest on the line, JT. The honor is all yours, sir.
1: Thanks, Dylan. And joining us from the ice-cold snow up in Boston, it ours our new hockey correspondent, Chris Nosak. Chris, how are you doing tonight, man?
2: Uh keep trying to keep warm.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, uh, Chris. Us two down here in Florida, it is currently like barely 50 degrees. And here in Florida, people, the Floridians, Dylan, are flipping out. I worked at Under Armour last night, and our jackets, our cold gear jackets, were going through the roof. Yeah, it was they crazy.
0: Are. Yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> one thing before we continue, Chris is not just the hockey analyst. He is a sports connoisseur. He knows basketball he knows the NFL, he knows hockey, he knows all sorts of sports. So let's not just pigeonhole Chris into this hockey analyst role, first of all. Second of all, I think Scott Dressler would be very upset if we were handing off his position to someone else. So Scott, don't worry, you are still our hockey analyst, but Chris does have some really good takes as well when it comes to hockey. I
1: just find it ironic that you know Chris is obviously a Bruins fan and Scott Dressler is a Devils fan. So, we'll see how, if we can get them both on the show at some time, how that interesting dynamic yeah, with those two teams. But, yeah, Chris, he's going to be our sports correspondent here for OOB Podcast. So, we're very excited to announce that he's joining our team, putting posting some exciting stuff on the website. But, Chris, you done celebrating that championship for the Red Sox? Are you still out there drinking lagas or enjoying drinks and all that good stuff up there? <laughs>
2: No we suffered for a little bit, but we gotta you know shake that off. we got we got a cup to go chase after. we got a Super Bowl championship to go chase after. We got an NBA title to go chase after. We got plenty more on the way here.
0: Well speaking of Super Bowl championships, Chris, uh, this weekend, JT and I have something to uh, talk to you about. I believe. I think I know where you're going Titans, with the <laughs> I believe the Tennessee Titans actually beat the New England Patriots this weekend. Um and not just by a field goal, not by a touchdown. No, it was, it was a sizable margin. You only we only held you guys to 10 points on the day. So in your mind, I want to know in the mind of a Patriots fan, what were your initial reactions from that game?
2: Oh boy. Um I mean one of the biggest things that I, I personally noticed in that game, I mean, you had a lot of just kind of short throws from Brady, errant throws, that you, things that you don't normally see uh, from him, you know, being the consistent quarterback that he's been his whole career. Not that I'm trying to paint the loss on Brady, because it was definitely a, an all-around team. Um, it's, it's, it's weird to see the defense give up that kind of yardage, and just not have an answer and I mean going into the bye week you know I I definitely think that's going to help they always come out of the bye week strong as a fan I'm not overly concerned too much I think they'll find a way to turn it around but over the course of the long term definitely something that you know you might be able to point to in a year or two from now and say maybe that was a little bit of a of a hint that we didn't really see at the time
0: um, when you're looking at the Patriots, what is the weakest, um, the weakest point in the Patriots offense or defense or special teams? Who do you think um, is the weak point in that team right
2: now? Uh, I would have to say, you know, probably surprisingly their defense. I, I still have question marks about the defense. Um, it just in general, I know that they're they're pretty thin at wide receiver. Uh, especially the new uh, injuries to Rob Gronkowski, keeping him out. That's not pleasant to see by any stretch. Uh, But those are all things that they've been able to work through before. Just so many new faces on the defense, still so many question marks, and that's where their inconsistencies have always been.
0: Well, you look at the Titans defense. Titans defense going into this week, uh, week 11, they are the number one scoring defense in the league um what things did you see from the titans defense during this game that
2: impressed you you know it it seemed to me like they were able to kind of keep the patriots receivers off the ball if that makes sense um you know they just you know none of the receivers seemed to really have their game they weren't able to kind of you know get the flow of anything i mean even as automatic it seems as uh almost every week you can count on to have seven, eight, nine, ten catches, you know, on maybe ten or eleven, twelve targets. And even even that connection wasn't
1: Yeah, Chris, I just want to chime in here and say that your Patriots, they were coming in on a six game winning streak after struggling early on in the season. And of course, as you mentioned, Gronkowski was injured so he didn't play. To me, Chris, the Patriots we know they're gonna win the AFC East Division. That won't be a problem. They only have two to me, two tough games coming up down the stretch that's main games in trouble. One was going to be the Steelers, and the other will be the Minnesota Vikings. So what do you expect, Chris, as the Patriots are trying to get on a run to get through those two top teams, but win the division and then try to focus on making a deep run in the playoffs?
2: Yeah, like you said, I'm not really too worried about them in the uh, in the NF in the AFC East here. It's not exactly like they're they're playing the cream of the crop twice a season here. Admittedly, so um, those two games are definitely going to be tough. But uh, I, I don't remember which ones they play on the road or at home. But either way, those are going to be good measuring sticks to kind of keep an eye at where they are because if they can if they struggle against um, especially Minnesota, Minnesota is clearly one of the you know playoff teams that you know can can do damage um you know especially with the addition of cousins now it, it's they're a legitimate team whereas you know not that they weren't before but uh, you know let's face it you'd rather have cousins over case keenum any day of the week so you know that those are going to be real measuring sticks for this team to to really see where that defense is at
0: now on the flip side let's talk about the titans the offense there Marcus Mariota is playing very smart football. Um, the past two weeks in Dallas, they put up 28 points. Against the Patriots, they put up 34 points. They're putting up some really, really good point totals right now. Um, the run game starts is, is starting to click. The wide receivers are starting to click with Marcus Mariota. It looks like he's feeling more comfortable in the system that LaFleur has there in Tennessee. Um, what other aspects of the offense, JT, are sticking out to you as the Titans continue um, this win streak going into Week 11?
1: Yes, Dylan, it's very important for the Titans on a two-game winning streak and big wins, of course, against the Cowboys and the Patriots. And then, as you mentioned, Marcus Mariota had really good performance, two touchdowns. Derrick Henry got two touchdowns. Our wide receivers, Corey Davis and all of them are clicking, so that's great to see. And the question is, can the Titans carry that momentum against the Colts on Sunday? Because everyone's saying, oh, this is a trap game. The Titans are going to fall asleep, and the Colts are just going to blow the doors off. Not so fast, guys. I think the Titans, knowing that we're not going to win the division at this point. It's the Texans, they've won, like, what, six in a row? So I'm pretty sure that it's safe they're going to win the division. But the Titans can hang in, in the wild card race. It looks like, Dylan, we'll get in. We just got to keep winning out.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think uh, a key piece to this offense that wasn't really doing so well um, until actually the Chargers game, until the we- uh, bye week and everything like that, I think the bye week really helped the whole entire team. But the bye week really helped one single player – And it's a player we were talking about for a while that might be dropped by the Titans or traded by the Titans, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has looked fantastic um, in the past three games. He's scored at least a touchdown the past three games. Even though he has a diminished role, he's not playing as many snaps as Deion Lewis is. Deion Lewis um, in the last game got like 20 carries, and and, uh, Derrick Henry got like 11, I think. Um, But you, you look at his production, and they're using him the way they should be using Derrick Henry. At the very end of the game, just ground and pound the entire time in the fourth quarter when they have a lead, Um, Deion Lewis is a great starting running back. I think Derrick Henry is more of a complementary player, and I think he's playing that role perfectly in the Titans' offense right now, and, I mean, he's doing some great things. I mean, getting in the end zone is a huge deal in this league, and Derek Henry keeps doing it.
1: Yeah, Dylan, I agree, and, you know, Deion Lewis, he said he wanted to take revenge out on the Patriots, and... He certainly did uh Sunday this game on Sunday. So we'll see how the Colts are the Colts the Titans, excuse me, do against the Colts on Sunday. Let's talk about the Saints still and they were very very impressive this past Sunday. Scored 51 points against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh the Saints uh Drew Brees he broke a uh, uh overall touchdown record passing Brett Favre and he also had a uh, three touchdown with three touchdowns in that game. And Michael Thomas had eight catches, two touchdowns in the game at the Saints have now won eight in a row,
0: Dylan. Yeah, the biggest thing with the Saints. The last time you saw a run game with the Saints that was this effective with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, you know when the last time they had a good run game like that was when they won the Super Bowl? So you look at this team right now. Alvin Kamara is playing out of his mind. Then you have Mark Ingram, who came in after his suspension and started playing like, a starting running back. So they have two starting running backs there in the Saints. They also have a guy named Um Brandon Marshall that just came in. Des Bryant just uh got injured and he's not gonna be playing for the rest of the season. That really sucks. Um, but you know, they have Brandon Marshall, he was available, they brought him in, and now they have a deep threat too on the other side of Michael Thomas. So you're drawing coverage in all of these different areas. The Saints are a really, really dangerous team on offense, and their defense is nothing to scoff at either. Their defense has been playing very, very well. The past few seasons, it seems as though they've um, awoken the beast, I guess you could say, um, ever since Greg Williams left. That Bounty Gate scandal there, that kind of diminished things, but then they've, become a very very solid defense in the league and they're gonna be very scary to play in the nfc i i don't see um many teams that will be able to match the caliber of the saints this season
1: all i can say is philadelphia eagles you better watch out on sunday
0: yeah oh yeah you better <laughs> and the thing is you look at that game too with philly they really have to win that game do you agree chris
2: yeah, that that's definitely if Philly wants to have a shot to stay in it this season. I mean, not that I think the Cowboys are a gigantic threat coming out of the NFC East, but it's at at this point they're just going to start falling too far out of the wild card race. I mean, you've got got teams like Minnesota. I mean, even Green Bay is not not considered out of it where they're at at four and five. I um, mean, you got a lot of four and five teams like Atlanta, even that you know. They just need a couple good weeks to turn it around. Once they figure it out, even Seattle at five hundred. So yeah, that's that's definitely a must win for Philly because if they don't, they fall to four and six. That's going to be tough, especially with the division they're in. And
0: especially they just lost to the Dallas Cowboys as well this past week, twenty seven to twenty, which that was a huge game as well. Um, so you have to look at the games that are remaining for the Philadelphia Eagles, and again, th- this week it's one of those games. Even if it, even if. It's not just to stay in the chase for the playoffs. Just to say, you know what, we're still here. A statement game for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what they need this weekend.
1: Well, Dylan, one thing I wanted to mention was for the Eagles, you remember last year when they won the Super Bowl, their defense was stud. They were a plus 11. This year, they're sitting at minus six in turnovers. So it's not the defense was carrying the Eagles and the offense, remember, yeah, Nick Foles started the season. Now you got Carson Wentz. But they have no running game right now because Ajay's out. They, and Clement and you got Smallwood trying to do committee running backs, but it's not working. So it's all going to be based on Carson Wentz still and trying to get a job done against that Saints defense. Good luck.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, the defense has to wake up too. The def- Like you said, the defense was stellar last season. Um, turnovers were insane for the Philadelphia Eagles but they need to figure out what they were doing last year. Six, sip some Kool-Aid or something that you were drinking last year because apparently uh, that was working, and what you're doing this year is not. So you need to go back to the basics and figure out what the the root of it all was last season for you to have that stellar run going to the Super Bowl last year. Um, Dallas Cowboys, on the other hand, they won, yes. Um, have they looked the best this season? No. no, they haven't. Z- uh, Zeke Elliott is pretty much putting the game, the team on his shoulders. Um, Dak Prescott has not been looking good so far. Amari Cooper is a, is a positive on that team now. He's actually shown some uh, flashes of brilliance while he's been there in Dallas. But uh, do you see them making a run later on in this season? They'll make a run,
1: but Dylan, the, the NFC East is really a, a wild card right now because – we don't know. Everybody's base is still in it. Well, maybe not the Giants, but the Redskins, the Eagles, <laughs> and the Cowboys, they're, they're all still in it. So, and you know it's late November, December, Dylan. These games can change on a dime. So one week, it could be the Redskins. Another week, the Cowboys can get hot. Right now, you have to favor the Cowboys if they can get the offense clicking. Because remember, the Cowboys, like you mentioned, weren't playing well. And there was talk they were going to fire Jason Garrett. Which they, they lost, still. They, they lost on Which they should still. Yeah, they <laughs> lost on
0: Sunday. Which they should still, yeah. Even if they're successful this season, Jason Garrett needs to leave. He needs to. They need a new offensive-minded coach in that position, and I think they can actually do some good things with Dak Prescott. I actually like Dak Prescott, to be honest with you. He's actually a very, very good quarterback. Um, does he have the arm strength as some of the other quarterbacks in the league, like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? No, he doesn't. But I, I think he's a very physical um, athlete and I think that he can do really good things with the Dallas the Dallas offense if he has a different coach in front of him I think Jason Garrett is going to be a hindrance on his career and if it keeps going this way I mean you, he's going to be not in the league very long uh, based on what what I've seen so far um, and also that offensive line too what happened to that offensive line in Dallas I mean it, it's not hasn't been the best this season like it was in seasons past um And that offensive line used to be at least in the top three in the league. And now it's not.
1: Chris, you got anything to add to this?
2: Yeah, I completely agree with everything he was just saying about Dak Prescott. I would say that he also has a very high football IQ. He's an intelligent person. And just, you know, if you can get him a, the right coach – he can really excel. He's someone who not only does he have a – he's got a good arm, like you said, not, not like an Aaron Rodgers arm or even a Drew Brees-type cannon, but he's, he can be accurate. And if he can get the ball out quick, then he can work around that offensive line and he can make good, quick decisions. The problem is he just doesn't have a coach who can work with him on that and put him in those positions to be successful.
0: And that's why he was so successful in Mississippi State. He had Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is a great coach for those kind of quarterbacks. Fantastic coach. So, I mean, you look at that recipe they had there. um, What's the common denominator in this situation? It's Jason Garrett. Because you even look at Tony Romo. Tony Romo looked pretty good um, under Jason Garrett. But it's because Tony Romo was already good when Jason Garrett got there. Um and so and and also he was getting to that Brett Favre mentality where he was like I'm just gonna sling this ball anywhere I can on the football field and someone's gonna catch it. So well he had
2: Des Bryant in his prime, exactly. Des
0: Bryant in his prime. I mean you can't you 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 can't beat him at all. Um, but it's it's sad to see that in Dallas. I I think that even Jerry Jones is seeing the situation unfold, and I think Jerry Jones isn't very happy with it either. Jason Garrett used to be the the star child uh, for Jerry Jones, essentially. He was the straight-A student uh, for Jerry Jones, but now I, I don't think he has that same that same um, mentality towards Jason Garrett like he used to.
1: Yeah, well, one thing I would suggest for the Cowboys, if they do decide to part ways with Jason Garrett, one name I keep hearing that is going to get looked at when the season's end is not only Lincoln Riley over at Oklahoma, the head coach up there of the Sooners, but... John DiFilippo, the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. And we all know how the Vikings have done this season, what he's done with Kirk Cousins and how he's developed quarterbacks with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Case Keenum, well, Sam Bradford was there last year too. So what he's done, he's done a great job developing quarterbacks. So maybe that could be an option that Dallas could make a run at.
0: That'd uh, be two years in a row also that Minnesota will lose their offensive coordinator if he gets a head coaching job. He has Pat Shermer.
1: Yeah, he went out to the Gi- Giants, right? Yeah, yeah. So speaking of the Giants – they did win a Monday Night Football, 27-23. Eli Manning getting a last-minute drive for them to win. And the uh, the Giants finally won a game. But everyone's talking about, you know, is this it for Eli Manning? Because the Giants, you know, they're sitting there, at, what, 2-7 and seven right now? Yeah, they're barely still in the NFC East race, but... A lot of people don't expect they're going to win. I know Odell Belkin's been saying, we're going to try to win every game we got left. So of, course we gonna of course you're going to say
0: that. Of course you're going to say that. I don't I, think I'm are going to I'm not going to start the NFL season as a quarterback or a wide receiver or whatever for a team and say, you know what, I think we're going to only win, you know, eight games, maybe lose eight. No, I'm going to say I'm going to win every freaking game I go on the field for. I'm going to go 16-0 this season. Of course you're going to say that.
1: Yeah, and there's been a lot of speculation about, hey, Eli Manning, you know, it might be time to move on, and let's give Alex Tanny or let's give Kyle LaLuda. L- 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 I hope I said that right. The, the rookie quarterback <laughs> out of Richmond. Let's give him a shot and see what he can do. And for Eli Manning, I kind of wonder. And he's sitting there, what thirty-seven right now, I believe. And you kind of wonder, maybe should he leave and like like his brother Peyton Manning? We left Indianapolis and went to Denver, and just give it one more go. To get a championship I mean you've already won A Super Bowl You might I'm sure he'll probably Go to the Hall of Fame But You feel like he's Kind of hurting the team More than Helping the team Yeah That's how I feel
0: Yes, sorry, Chris. You're... I know.
2: you. Right. No, are you really Giants putting are... Eli in the Hall of Fame?
0: No, I, I, I was, that was my next question, actually. Well, he didn't um, two there Super Bowls. There was a question against the Patriots, mind you. Um, th- there Don't was a question. Chris. I'm sorry. Um, there was. I still a have nightmares about that David Tyree catch. <laughs> I do too. Um, so there was a question on, um, I believe NFL Network or something along those lines. Michael Irvin was asked about Eli Manning. And if he thought he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, and he simply said, "No, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback."
2: So no, he's in the Hall of Very Good.
0: Yes, I mean he is a very good. He was a very good quarterback. I don't think he's a very good quarterback anymore, um, no. especially with the weapons he has on his team. You you can blame it all day on the offensive line. You can believe it on several different factors in the Giants organization. But guess who is the common denominator in that offense that keeps sputtering every single season? It's Eli Manning. He has Odell Beckham Jr. He has uh, Saquon Barkley. Barkley. Saquon Barkley. You have some really, really uh, sterling shepherds there too. You have some very, very good players in that offense. And Last,
2: you, last year they had Brandon Marshall as well.
0: Yeah, th- there's no reason Eli... Could not at least get in the wild card last season or this season, mind you, but he's two. he's sitting on the season right now at two and seven. Do you have, if you are a Giants fan, do you have any faith in this team right now? Do you want to see Eli Manning going on the field every single week? I don't. If I were a Giants fan, I would be pissed that I would be watching this product every Sunday.
2: What they should be doing is they should be keeping an eye on that new kid out in San Francisco who's basically playing for a job right now. Yeah, Mullins. The, yeah, yeah Nick, the kid, Mullins. Nick Mullins. He's he's really showing something. I don't think they're going to make this massive comeback or anything like that, but he's really showing something. And you know what? It, just with how how that New York Giants plays their offensive game, he could be a solid fit there. Yeah, He could really come in and, and do some damage. And I mean, clearly, I mean, he's playing better than Eli right now. Yeah. Great, great that everybody is. So, you know. Unless you're Nathan you, Peterman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Bye, Nathan Peterman. Happy trails to you, sir. That was a nice yeah, right? NFL career you had there.
2: <laughs> well, no, what was it? Three starts, 19 interceptions or they something said like that?
0: If he, went, if he dropped back every single snap he had and just threw it straight into the ground, he'd have a higher QB rating than he did when he ended his career. How incredible is that?
2: You like, know what's sad, though? Is he's still going to get another chance on someone's practice squad.
0: Oh, for sure. He'll be on a practice squad, no doubt. Uh, and that's why Alex Tanney's still on the team, too. Um, so, uh, looking at the draft, let's, let's revisit the draft. Because I've asked JT this question many a times. Should the Giants have gone for Saquon Barkley? Or should they have gone for someone who is sitting there? Just waiting to be picked. Mr. Sam Darnold.
2: You know what? I don't think they made a mistake going Saquon Barkley because he is so good. And putting him on the team has made the glaring hole at quarterback. And not that there are that many elite quarterbacks out there, but it's a lot easier to find a quarterback who's sufficient enough to, to get you over the hump than it is to get that, you know, elite running back, someone that Saquon Barkley is right now. And they've got him for a few more years. They just locked up Odell. You know, I think Step Shepard still has a, a year or two left on his contract. So they're not in a bad position moving forward. They just have to bite the bullet and move on from Eli.
0: So do you see them doing that in free agency? Do you see them doing that in the draft? Um, who, where do you think they're going to go to find this um, this person to take over Eli's spot?
2: Um, I haven't seen a list. I have to see the list of who's going to be a free agent at the quarterback position this coming off season. But I, I think um, like Bridgewater's up. Um, there's a couple decent, halfway decent guys who are kind of smaller roles on their team right now at quarterback who may be brought in to to get looked at. But I think they're going to try and look at it through the draft because. That's where so many teams are getting. You look at just look at how many young quarterbacks are coming in and doing well, even going all the way back to Dak Prescott, even Russell Wilson. You know, you can get a quarterback in the draft and have a good, solid rookie year out of them. You know, if you can draft them high enough, and they're going to be drafting high enough.
0: And also, you look at who the head coach has experience with and what you said, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Teddy Bridgewater will be available um, in free agency. Uh, so, I mean, you look at that, and there's a connection there. I think that Pat Shermer did have a good connection with Teddy Bridgewater when he was in Minnesota. So, that could potentially be somebody he brings into New York. And I, I could see Teddy Bridgewater being in a Giants, a Giants uniform. I think that could easily happen. Um, and I think that having Teddy Bridgewater and Saquon Barkley on the same team would actually be pretty good if he returned to form like he was in 2016,
2: 2015 which is what they were saying he was doing uh, when he was still with uh, I think it was New York but was it was it the, the Jets, Jets that sent him yeah. down yeah, to yeah, New the Orleans Jets. Yeah, the he was with the Jets and so. then they traded
0: him to the Saints. And also yeah. he's not, not going to get that position in with the Saints because that kid uh Hill, Hill's going to be getting that position from Drew Brees whenever he retires. So uh, and he's already in the he's already playing snaps in the system as wide receiver, as running back, as tight end. Like he's doing all sorts of things for that team. Um, so, I mean, that position's locked up for the next at least five to ten years. So, Teddy Bridgewater will have an opportunity somewhere. Um, but, I mean, if I were him, I would go to the Giants because he has familiarity, familiarity with Pat Shermer. Um, But that's just my opinion. So, um, let's move on to the Seahawks. Last week, we're going to week 11 now. No, last night. They played the Packers last night. yeah, Last night. That's what what I meant. Uh, Week 11. Last night, Seahawks versus Packers, and the Seahawks came out victorious.
1: Yeah, Dylan, but that's not what everyone's talking about. Everyone's talking about what is Mike McCarthy doing with the Packers because they had two opportunities. One, I think it was late in the third quarter, where they had a play that was a Seahawks catch, but – Mike McCarthy chose not to challenge it, even though that situation, I understand, because you, if you would have lost the challenge, you would be down to one timeout, essentially. And then they had another play where it was late in the fourth quarter. There was like four or five minutes left in the game, and the Packers chose to punt the ball as opposed to having Aaron Rodgers, your best player, try to go for it to keep you in the game because you know the Seahawks can score points. And as it turned out, the, Seahawks, or the Packers' defense couldn't stop them, and the Seahawks ended up winning the game. So now everyone's talking, oh, the Packers look like they're going to be out in the playoffs. Maybe if they can't make it, it's time to let Mike McCarthy go. That's what everyone's talking about with the Packers.
0: I mean, I think there have been whispers in Green Bay already about Mike McCarthy leaving. I think that that's actually a wise decision for the Green Bay Packers because I think it's gotten to a point of stagnation in Green Bay. They're expecting Mike McCarthy to take this team to the playoffs every season. He's doing the same exact thing he keeps doing every single year. And he has one of the most prolific and one of the most electrifying quarterbacks in the league as the captain of his team. And he's not doing anything with it. He's getting to a point to where uh, I don't know if there's uh, no more passion left for Mike McCarthy. I don't know what's going on with Mike McCarthy, but I think his his offensive scheme and defensive scheme too, it's getting stale. In Green Bay, I think there does need to be a shakeup there because Aaron Rodgers just got locked up to a long term deal. He's not going anywhere. So, in that situation, they have to get rid of Mike McCarthy. Have to. I don't know if it's going to be one of those, you know, we're just going to force you out. You, you say you're leaving, but we're just going to fire you, you know, under the table, or if it's going to be some um, huge spectacle in Green Bay. But I think Green Bay Packer fans. I think they'll probably be happy either way. Either way it happens, either if Mike McCarthy stays or he leaves. I think it'll be a sigh of relief if Mike McCarthy does get fired from the team. But he's just not doing what they should be doing. Aaron Rodgers should have two Super Bowls. Three Super Bowls. I mean, he, he should have rings on his finger. And he hasn't been able to do it yet. He only has one, yeah, right? Yeah, he only one. That's the it. One in Dallas. Yeah. And that's or it, Pittsburgh. I think it was. Yep. Just, it's it's awful. Chris, what do you think?
2: I think you hit the the nail right on the head with the word stagnant. They need they need to change. They need to shake something up. I think the way it's going to go down, they'll use that term. Have agreed to part ways, even though it'll really be the organization saying we we just we need something different. It's time for you to go.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And also, they have a run game now too. That Aaron Jones kid. I have him on my starting uh, fantasy lineup, by the way. Um, he's doing great. He was, he did great last week. He did great last night. Um, they actually have a run game, and it, it's not got. It's gotten to a point where it's not the players. It's not the players' fault at this point. It's the coaching staff. It's the play calling. It's just not – they're not, just not doing it. They're not getting the job done. And when you're in the NFL and you get to a point of stagnation like that, there needs to be change – and hopefully it comes this year for Aaron Rodgers, um, and I think he'd welcome that change, even though I've heard there's friction in that locker room in the first place. At the beginning of the season, there were stories coming out from ESPN, from NFL, saying there was friction between, between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, and that was around the contract talks. So I think that um, I think Mike McCarthy's uh, time is coming to an end in Green Bay, um, and I, I think that that job will be a very lucrative job to any head coach in the market.
1: No, I totally agree, Dylan. I totally agree with you on that one. So we will see what happens. Uh, anyways, let's talk about some of the notable big games we got coming up on Sunday. So obviously one, Dylan, we got is the Texans taking on the Washington Redskins. That's going to be a big game. We got the Bengals and the Ravens, which I know it's not a big game, but everyone's talking about that game because they think Lamar, because Joe Flacco's still hurt. They're saying he's doubtful for that game. So there's talk that Lamar Jackson, or RG3, one of those quarterbacks, will start for the Ravens on Sunday. You got the Broncos and the Chargers. That's a big game there. Of course, you mentioned the Eagles and Saints, the Vikings and the Bears, and of course, Monday Night Football, the Chiefs and the Rams. So, uh, Chris, what game are you keeping an eye on or that has your interest uh, this weekend in the NFL?
2: Well, since my Patriots are in a bye week, <laughs> and I can't be watching them, uh, the number one that I've circled so far for this week, I mean, it has to be Kansas City, L.A. I know that's that's going to be the most obvious one. Um, that's why they put it on Monday Night Football. Um, but just in, in general, I mean, you've, you've got to really also look at that. Jacksonville-Pittsburgh, that's going to show you a lot about where Jacksonville really stands this season because they have fallen off a lot from last season, but they're not, even at three and six in last place in their division, they're not out of it is the thing they can still make a comeback. And I know there's a lot of talk about what's going on in that locker room, but Pittsburgh can be had They're They're still going through their own stuff. Ben Roethlisberger is still good, but he's not what he used to be. And that's a, that could be a statement game for Jacksonville. that says we still haven't gone anywhere. We went to the AFC championship game last year and we're still here.
0: Yeah, I, exactly. And also with the Le'Veon Bell, um, controversy, things of that nature. I know we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, but that that that's not a good situation in Pittsburgh. Um, their offense is clicking right now. Yes, Antonio Brown's playing well. James Conner um, has been playing well, too, up to this point. So um, that will be a really interesting game to watch. The game I'm looking forward to the most, um, outside of the Titans game, of course, um, a huge matchup that I think has AFC South implications especially for the Titans, because this team is number one right now. It's the Texans versus the Redskins. They're both sitting at six and three. They're both leading in their divisions, too. Um, You know, you look at the Texans. Texans are doing really well on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And, and, I mean, their offense has actually been doing pretty well this season, too, actually. Um, And then you look at the Redskins. Their offense, passing-wise, is not very good. But their rushing game is actually very good. Adrian Peterson's actually been a huge contributor for the Washington Redskins. And their defense um, is pretty evenly matched with the Texans as well. So in that game, to see where the balance of power lies after that game, especially if the Titans win uh, their game against the Colts, uh, we'll have a tie in first place. And it'll be interesting to see what happens um, from there moving forward for the AFC South. Uh, But JT, what game are you looking at this week?
1: The game I'm looking at, Dylan, that pretty much is going to decide who could make a wild card and who could be out, is the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the Cowboys are both sitting there at four and five. The Falcons have been struggling this season, but they've been picking up some wins as of late. And even though they did not win against the Browns last week, I believe. And then the Cowboys, of course, you know they beat the uh, the Eagles. But it's going to be home in Atlanta. It's a big game. Atlanta has to show up, Dylan, because if they lose this game. They're pretty much to be out of the wild card, as Chris mentioned earlier. A lot of four to five or five and five teams in the middle of that wild card race. The Cowboys know that, especially because if the Redskins lose, as you mentioned, to the Texans, I know it's time to hope that doesn't happen, but if it does, the Cowboys are still in it. That division's still up for grabs. So the Cowboys, we know that if, if they can keep this momentum up, they can get hot in November and December. And they still got, I believe the Cowboys had to play the Redskins twice because they play them on Thanksgiving next week and then I think they play him at the end of the season. So the Cowboys are still in it, Dylan, so very important. We'll see if Amari Kubrick can get it going. We'll see if your boy Dak Prescott keeps the momentum going for the team. And Ezekiel Elliott, can he keep us rushing and going? He had 151 yards last week in their last game, so we'll see.
0: One keynote from that game, the Cowboys have yet to beat the Falcons in Atlanta. Uh, The last time they beat him was in 2006, so it's been a while since the Cowboys have gone into – the big ATL and one against the Falcons. So we'll see if they can actually do it on Sunday. Uh, That game's on Fox at one o'clock. So uh, big games, big implications this weekend for the playoffs. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. But speaking of the big contest that Chris mentioned, um, the Rams and the chiefs game, it got moved back to LA because the field conditions in Mexico, uh, Mexico city, actually the Azteca stadium were awful, horrendous. Um, it was not able to be fixed in time for this game, even though they've known about this game for months. Um, They still couldn't fix it, and now the Rams have a home game against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, Dylan, I think that's huge. I mean, obviously for Mexico, it's a bummer. They don't get the game, but when you're playing a bunch of soccer games and concerts in that weekend, and you know you had this game coming up, what are you doing? (laughs) So the game had to get moved. The players were concerned about their safety down there, and they, the Rams and the, and the players obviously won out, and they wanted the game on a big stage. This is your biggest game. Two teams sitting there with top records in the league. This could be a potential Super Bowl game. So, big game, right? Game, uh, right? Move in the NFL to move it to LA, and it's going to be a home game, and the fans are going to show up. And Dylan, I expect it to be a shootout. Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes. You got Todd Gurley and the Chiefs running back. I mean, Dylan, this is a game you want to get your popcorn ready for.
0: Yeah, you do. Definitely. So um, also they are giving out tickets to first responders in California for the wildfires, which is fantastic. That's a great thing for them to do for these tickets, because like you said, I mean, they moved the game from Mexico City to L.A. Um, and fans will be there. Yes. But we don't know how many fans are going to be there yet because they had to sell these tickets very quickly. They actually had a, an ad on NFL.com today for these tickets because they're still selling tickets to the stadium to try to get it to be a sellout, uh, which it should be anyway. These two teams are iconic this season um, and they're doing some great things, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, both teams are very, very good offensively and defensively, um, you know, the Rams should be better than they actually are because they have so much money on that defensive line. Um, But, you know, again, it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, I'm not necessarily going to say who's going to win that game because it's just going to be, I think it's going to be back and forth the entire game. But, um, Chris, what do you think about that?
2: Uh, I I mean, as someone who is in a ticket sale department, I could tell you that the the last minute crunch of finding out you've got a game and trying to turn around an entire stadium full seats is, ridiculously hard to do even if it is such a clash of the titans like the rams and the chiefs are going to be um and i think like jt said this could be a potential super bowl preview although i think the saints are actually going to get over that hump uh and knock la out of it at some point um but it's still going to be a really solid matchup super bowl like it's going to have that kind of feel um as far as the matchup and and i think You know, as far as trying to call it, you know, as much as I want to say L.A. has the advantage, they're still not yet used to playing without Cooper Cup just yet. I think Kansas City is going to get the edge in this one, but maybe by a touchdown.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch. It's going to be a great one to watch. So if you haven't watched a single NFL game this season, this is the game you should watch. Uh, Let's move on to some injury news. Des Bryant, once again, he is out for the season with a torn Achilles Um, He actually had this on the last play in practice just days after he got signed by the saints. Um, But the saints did sign Brandon Marshall, like we discussed earlier Um, with these two players, who would you rather have when they're completely healthy? Because at this point, Brandon Marshall was playing games um, and Des Bryant was not. Des Bryant had been sitting idle essentially since training camp. So, at that situation, do you want to have a player that's that's you know been sitting there uh, saying he's been working out, saying he's been in football shape, but not been on a football field in quite some time, or would you rather have a player that's been playing um, at least a few games this season? Go ahead, Chris.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of people up here clamoring for, for the Des Bryant signing and, and all that before the Patriots went out and got Josh Gordon, um, and even afterwards, actually. Um, it, it really is a tough question, but I'm always going to defer to the guy who's been playing because he is still in game shape, and these little, I mean, not that this is a small injury, but it, these types of things just don't happen as frequently in in a practice setting, He's just—he's still got the the mindset of the game, you know, week to week games. He's still involved in the day to day grind. It may not be exactly the same situations, but it just I'd rather defer to the guy who's still actively been playing versus the team versus the person that thirty some odd teams have said no thanks, but no thanks for one reason or another.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, speaking of players who haven't been playing that much this season or at all Le'Veon bell missed his um report date and is not able to play the rest of the season so with that what next for Le'Veon bell
1: wait dylan does this mean i can take his 14.5 million dollar buyout that he left on the table
0: you cannot Darn. you cannot i'm sorry um that that's actually being split amongst the owners. Um, No, that's, that's not going to happen. But I mean, he missed out on a lot of money and he also missed out on showing other teams what he can do on a football field. Um, And I think that's huge in Le'Veon's case. He's expecting this big money when he gets hits free agency next season. But um, I think at this point it's going to be kind of hard. Chris, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think he's expecting to cash in on a big payday, which, which he absolutely will, and and not that 14000000 million isn't a solid payday. But I think one of the things he's looking for too, though, is the the steady length of a contract that he wasn't seeing as much with the, the offers that Pittsburgh was giving him with the guaranteed amount of money. they, they it was like they would offer him one thing and not the other. And obviously, you want to try and get as much of both as you can. And there's a team out there that's going to give it to him, despite the fact that he's missed an entire season. I mean, he's still only 26 years old. And when playing, you know he's still going to be one of the best. And, and he wants to prove it. And you're going to get a hungry Le'Veon Bell to who wants to go out there and prove and shove it in the face of all of Pittsburgh that he sat out, he deserved to sit out, they should have paid him, And they made the mistake, not him.
0: Do you think with this Des Bryant injury going to the Saints, do you think that gives him any regret in his mind that, you know, maybe I should have actually played the season with the Steelers and actually shown on the field what I can do still? um, And not, I mean, I think at that point you have more risk to injure yourself when you're sitting idle for a season than when you do actually playing the game that you're meant to play.
2: Yeah, I think Le'Veon Bell is a slightly different animal in that sense. Like I mean, he's twenty-six, I think Des Bryant's thirty-six or you know, low thirties or something like that. Body is still a little bit more nimble for, for Le'Veon Bell. I think he's been out there working out every bit as much as, you know, someone who's playing and he will you know, obviously the injury risk factor is going to be there, but he was looking to set himself up for a little bit more long term money. 14 million is great, but for one season, he's also likely to get hurt. Being the lead back in the Pittsburgh system, and not knowing what you're going to get out of Roethlisberger this season, you have to remember too. Over the last couple of seasons, Ben Roethlisberger's been kind of flaky as to whether or not there's been a lot of is he going to retire questions. So I can understand Le'Veon not wanting to fully buy in if he doesn't know that he's got the buy in from his quarterback. So and then there was other friction with Antonio Brown and it just becomes at what point is it worth it to say, you know what, if I sit one year out, I can get four, five, six years of stability, and maybe over the course of that time instead of getting fourteen million, I'm getting forty five million and with some incentives and all that. I mean he'll he'll get paid based on his past performance. Yeah. The only thing I will say that's
1: positive about the situation for Le'Veon Bell is he doesn't have to worry about injury. He's gonna sit on the off on the sidelines the rest of the year and He's going to be a healthy running back. So, that's always a a positive situation for him. And like you said, you know, money, we don't know about his money situation, but he's probably trying to get a better deal to help out, not only himself, but maybe his family. So, that's something to consider as well. And as you mentioned, that was a good point, Chris, you mentioned about uh, Ben Rosberger. There's been a lot of speculation that he might retire at the end of the season, and maybe he doesn't want to commit long-term. Like we saw what happened when LeBron left Cleveland, and you're stuck there. So, I could totally see from that perspective, and... We'll see. The Steelers will try to maybe uh, bend and give him a long-term contract that he wants, or they could try to trade him somewhere. We'll have to wait and see in the off-season. But let's talk about a player who has been around the AFC East lately, Terrell Pryor. He started the season this year with the New York Jets. They got released, and then he signed with the Bills a few weeks ago, but they decided to let him go after two games. And through eight games, Dylan, he's only had... Uh, basically 58 uh, are percentage and you know not much uh going on for this completion so you know we'll see if he's gonna have somewhere to go as we're already well halfway through the season uh, do you think he can maybe get somewhere like a team that can try to develop him quickly like the Browns or like you mentioned Chris the the Patriots they're always looking for wide receivers you think they can maybe fit him there
2: I don't I I, I know bill always likes the, the... Kind of Swiss Army knife type player that Pryor, you know, tends to be. I think he's got enough on his hands right now trying to get Josh Gordon into the offense that they're going to probably sit pat at least for a few more weeks. Um, But you got to remember, too, I mean, Terrell Pryor in that final year in Washington put up some solid numbers. And this season, I mean, look at what he's been playing or who he's having the ball thrown by. You know, you're in Buffalo for a couple games. You know, for half a second, and you're in New York Jets. Not even the New York Giants. You know that that's how bad it is for him. I mean, I think I saw somewhere he's got like 16 catches, but he's averaging over a first down per catch that he makes. So he still has catching ability. He still has a decent amount of speed, and and as far as I'm remembering, he's no he's not a short receiver. So he's got some height to him. So someone should be taking a look at him just based on what he was able to do in Washington. But you got to remember, it's going to take him a little while to get involved.
0: I think so too. I think if if, the, if someone gives him an, a minimum contract just to come in, approve it deal uh, to see if he can actually do something, take a flyer out on him. I think he can do some good things. Uh, I think if he doesn't have pressure on him, I think he can do some good things. It just depends on what team will actually want to take a flyer on him. So, We'll see what happens with Terrell Pryor and some other uh, free agency news as we head to the end of the season. Um, I'm sure there will be some teams that might be calling on some of these players to help as they um, try to get towards the Super Bowl, as they try to uh, navigate the road to the Super Bowl. So, uh, Chris, there was also a poll from NFL.com that you were wanting to bring up to us, so let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, you had actually mentioned uh, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas earlier, um, and, and the poll was ranking it – was, it was a ranking system of the, the best uh, quarterbacks with their wide receiver combinations, and I wanted to run the names by you and just kind of see where, how you guys would rank them compared to how NFL.com had them because there were a couple in there that I don't know if I'd have them in exactly the same way um. So I'm going to throw them out to you guys, if you don't mind, in no particular order, and I kind of want to see where you guys fall on these. Let's do it. So the five that they had on their list, again, in no particular order, were Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, Kirk Cousins with Adam Thielen, Ben Roethlisberger with Antonio Brown, Drew Brees with Michael Thomas, and Deshaun Watson with DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Okay, let's run through that list one more time.
2: So... Breeze and Thomas. Okay. Cousins and Phelan. Roethlisberger and Brown. Rogers and Adams. Watson and Hopkins. Hmm. Okay. Um I thought of two that I wanted to throw in there that weren't on there and see if you guys thought they should even be on the in the conversation. Uh, those being Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen and Jared Goff with Cooper Cup before he got hurt.
0: I think there's a small sample size with Cooper Cup and Jared Goff. That's probably re- the reason why they're not on the list um, because these other quarterbacks and wide receivers have actually been together for a while, except for cousins and Thielen. Cousins and Thielen are pretty new. Um, this season, I mean – even though it's been kind of down, I think Roethlisberger and and Antonio Brown are a great combination. Uh, they they've done some great things in Pittsburgh together. I think that's a re- that's a really good duo there. Um, if we were just specifically talking about this season, though, I mean, uh, man, it, it's it's tough because I mean, each of these pairs actually have good things going for them, um, and it, it's at a certain point it feels like it's comparing apples to oranges, really, um, but. I guess my top three would probably have to be, in no particular order, uh, Cousins, Thielen, Breeze Thomas, and Roethlisberger. Brown, still, I think. I think those are my top three there. What about you, J.T.? I
1: have Breeze Thomas number one. I uh, have Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown number two, and then I would have. Jared Goff and uh, Cooper Cup, of course, before he got injured. That was my my top three right there.
2: Okay. So the way the NFL has them ranked is, and, and I can't I can't disagree with Brees. Thomas is number one. That combo is just killing it right now. Um, they're they're clicking. Thomas has got the speed. Brees still has the cannon of an arm, and he's still accurate. Uh, and then they go with Cousins feeling it two. Roethlisberger Brown at three. Rodgers adams at four with watson and hopkins at five
0: yeah and i mean roth or i mean watson and hopkins are actually looking really good too in the afc south i've seen uh several highlight worthy catches that hopkins has made and uh been uh, deshaun watson just makes it look effortless out there now um but yeah i mean i i i pretty much agree with their list um especially with those five pairs i mean i think that um like I said I mean Breeze and Thomas have looked they're out of their mind this season um and Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen um it just they're acting as though they've been playing for several seasons together uh it's just and also you have to look at it this way I mean is it because Kirk Cousins is such a good quarterback or is it because Adam Thielen is such a good wide receiver because last year he was doing the same exact thing um and we thought it was uh, an anomaly for Thielen but then this season he picks it right back up with Cousins, and he looks like an all star wide receiver. So um, it's interesting to see that, that kind of poll. So uh, thanks for bringing that up, Chris. That, that was actually a really good, really good pull to talk about. So um, let's move on to some basketball news. Um, Jimmy Butler got traded to the Sixers. Minnesota gets Robert Cummington, Dario Sarek, and Jared Bayless. So, I mean, really, does Jimmy Butler win in this trade? I think that he wanted to get out of there in the first place. And he did just that, and he went to Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, Dylan, what I would mention is, I mean, for Jimmy Butler, he wanted to get out of Minnesota. And I think Minnesota T-Wolves, they, they blew the ball here because they had an opportunity to get some picks. And don't be wrong, I mean, they got Dario Saric, they got Jarrett Bayless, a good guard, and they have Robert Covington. But these are role players, and it's not like you're getting an all-star for an all-star. And I really felt, Dylan, Minnesota Timberwolves could have helped themselves, and they got some draft picks. I don't know, Dylan, why they passed up on Houston's offer. They were going to offer them four first-round draft picks. Four! And they passed on that. And now you've got role players that may not be with the team in two or three years. I mean, for Jimmy Butler, the Sixers, that's a clear winner right there. Jimmy Butler's going to team up with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. That's a, a, a solid uh, roster lineup right there. Now, it's going to take him some time to gel in with the team. I know he made his debut against the Magic, who we'll talk about in a minute. He got 14 points in that game in a losing effort. But we'll see how Jimmy Butler does with his new team. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts about the Jimmy Butler move and that whole saga, how it played out?
2: Oh boy. Um, It's definitely an interesting move by, by Minnesota. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler made it clear. He wanted to get out of there and they were going to do what it, what it took. Um, I I think that's a ridiculous offer from, from Houston, but at the end of the day, it's still the NBA. And if those picks aren't in the top five, do they really matter all that much? You're going to ultimately get role players. Some of them are going to excel. Some of them aren't. I think with Philadelphia though, it really does add to their starting five. But their depth on their bench, I think, just got a lot weaker, and that is going to ultimately be their Achilles heel in the end. They're not going to have enough guys who can come off the bench to kill important minutes to get these guys Embiid, Butler, you know Simmons, get these guys the rest they're going to need in those final minutes of those playoff games.
0: Yeah, I mean, and they'll have to look at that too. I mean, you, and also you look at their record as well. They're ten and seven right now. Uh, they're two and a half games back from the Eastern Conference leader, which is Toronto. Um, but they're 8-0 no at home. They're undefeated at home so far, and they're 2-7 and seven on the road. Just uh, just an awful statistic so far, um, early in the season, of course. But again, I mean, I might just take some meshing with with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and things of that nature. But still, I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible to see them go on an eight-game win streak at home and then two and seven on the road. That's not a recipe for success in the NBA. Um, but, again, I mean, they'll just have to figure it out throughout the season and see what, what makes them tick, see if there are ways that they can get some role players and see if people can step up on that team as well. I mean, their depth is going to be tested. If one of those guys goes down, who fills in for them?
2: You know, yeah, like good it. point. You brought up injuries. I didn't even mention that. I mean, if if you look at the Phillies' biggest competition in the East, I would say ninety nine percent of the people out there are going to say it's going to be the Boston Celtics, and they've got a massive depth to their depth chart. They they could. I mean, there's talks up here that people want to trade Kyrie Irving. That's how much depth they supposedly have. Just because, I mean, you have even got Terry Rozier who's not playing enough, and and guys like that that you know you could trade an all-star like Kyrie Irving and people around here aren't even blinking about it.
0: That's absolutely insane. Um, And so, you know, it's a great move for the Sixers. I think Jimmy Butler is happy being there in Philadelphia. He actually went to a team that I think will do some great things this season. Um, But, again, depth is number one issue there. I think they'll have to address that um, and see if some of these role players they have on the team um can actually step up and fill in the role if there's an injury or things of that nature. Um, especially going into the playoffs I think that's gonna be a huge hurdle for them. So um let's talk about our next team the Orlando Magic, the hometown team. uh they are half a game out of the southeast Conference uh, the southeast division lead right now currently seven and eight and uh came back to defeat the sixers 111 to 106 on Wednesday night actually. Yeah
1: Dylan, this was a great game for the Orlando Magic. And Nikola Vucicic, he's been carrying that team. He got 30 points in that game on Wednesday night. Aaron Gordon had another impressive performance, 17 points. And Jonathan Simmons coming off the bench, getting 12 points. So the Magic, remember last week, they were struggling. We were talking about them in our podcast show last week. But they seem to have picked it up. They got some quality wins. And now they're only sitting a half game out of the Southeast Division. And to be fair, Dylan, the Southeast Division, it's very weak right now. the The Charlotte Hornets are at 7-7. We're barely below 500. The Heat are struggling. We know the Wizards are struggling. So, and the Hawks are really bad. So, no one's blowing out the doors in Southeast Division. And it's early. But the Magic, they're off to picking up, getting good wins. We currently sit eighth place in the Eastern Conference. And we got a big game tomorrow because LeBron James is coming to town. (laughs)
0: as the Lakers play the Magic tomorrow night. They've been looking pretty good so far. Tyson Chandler came to that team, joined the Lakers, and since they've won four games in a row. So coming into Orlando with a pretty good win streak, um, we'll see if they can actually beat the Lakers and continue uh, to climb the rankings. They'd be 8-8 eight and eight if they won that game. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, another player that's leaving uh, his current team, Carmelo Anthony, is leaving the Houston Rockets after 10 games with the team. Uh the team has not dropped him officially yet. They are uh there's some things. They're keeping him on an
1: active roster for some reason, but they're gonna eventually release him.
0: Yeah, so at that point he's talking about weighing his options, seeing if there's potential suitors for him. Also that he's weighing the option of retirement as well. So at this point do you see a team wanting to add him to their roster? Number one, and number two, if he does retire, what what will be remembered? Uh, about Carmelo Anthony in the league? Uh, Well, I would say
1: great player, great guard, or or power forward, that's what he played. But he didn't win any championships. And that's going to be the sad reality of it. And he had chances to do it. He had a chance to go to Cleveland. He didn't go. He had a chance a few years to go to Chicago when they were looking good. He didn't go. And he could have teamed up with LeBron and the Lakers this year. He chose not to go. So, you know... And he went to Carmelo or the Oklahoma City last year, and that didn't work out. But Carmelo, you know, it just didn't work out with the Rockets. I mean, 13 points he averaged, and he had a few big games, but it wasn't enough. I know some people are saying, oh, the Rockets are running him out of town. They're using him as a scapegoat, and, and they're blaming him because they didn't do well. And I'm like, no, the Rockets just chose to let Ariza and Abu Amute go, and, and they can't play defense. It's Mike D'Antoni. When does he coach defense? Now, to be fair, Carmelo doesn't play much defense either. But, look, at the end of the day, that's what they made a decision. And the Rockets, they did win last night, being the Golden State Warriors, 107-86, which I was very surprised because I was like, didn't the Warriors, they only scored 86 points in a game last night against the Rockets, who have been struggling. But a few weeks ago, you were crushing the Bulls, and you scored 92 points in one half. But the Warriors are going through their own drama. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, yeah, very surprised I don't think Dylan Carmelo Anthony is going to retire. There's been talk that the Puerto Rico national team is trying to get him to go play out there. So I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's still going to play. As far as which team, nobody knows right now, Dylan, If I'm Carmelo Anthony, you're going to sit this one out and wait a while. Wait, see what happens. If there's an injury, maybe the Lakers, maybe the Clippers. I mean, maybe the Spurs. Someone, I think, will give him a shot down the road. But it's not going to be right the second whenever he gets officially released from the Houston Rockets. Uh, Chris, you got any thoughts here about the situation in Houston?
2: Yeah, I, I would definitely think he, you know, obviously he's on his way out there. I think he's burned another bridge, to to put it lightly. Um, it, you know, at this point, for him, if he doesn't want to be remembered as, you know, someone who's overly selfish, I mean, he had that long run with the Knicks, and he just couldn't go anywhere with it, and he had so many opportunities, like you said, to, to even just get one ring and it just seems like nobody wants to play with him anymore and you know what at this point I would just say Carmelo right off into the sunset as as little sun as there may be on there and just don't don't you don't want to be remembered for something too negative at this point just you know maybe he signs on somewhere but he'll be a depth piece at this point no one's building their team around him and You know, I mean, maybe he'll make a call to Golden State to see if he can't get on a roster to win a ring or something, but I just don't see him being the centerpiece anywhere. I don't think anybody wants him to be their centerpiece. I think the league is just, you know, they're just exhausted of him, to put it lightly.
0: You know what he should have done in his career that he messed up on? He should have stayed with Denver. That's what he should have done. The very beginning, just stay with Denver, stay with the Nuggets, have pieces come to him. Kenneth Fareed was there in Denver as well. Right after uh, he left, Kenneth Fareed came there, and he was doing really good things with Denver. Um, so, I mean, I think that there could have been some key pieces in Denver that would have led them to a potential ring, um, even if he would have lured LeBron James there. Imagine him luring LeBron James to the Denver Nuggets. I mean, <laughs> just I think that there could have been some good things if if he would have – at least stayed somewhere. I mean, he had some quarrels with the Knicks too, had some quarrels with the Nuggets. He burned that bridge. He burned the bridge with the Nuggets, with the Knicks. I mean, he just burned several bridges during his career um, when he left a team and he just could not, he just couldn't do it. He just could not go over the edge and become that all-star player that we thought he should be, even though he was, he was an all-star player throughout his entire career when it came to, um, the league. I mean, he was on the NBA All Star team every season he was in the league, except for maybe a, few, a handful. So, um, anyway, moving on to some other news: Rajon Rondo is out for three to five weeks with a uh, he had hand surgery, so he'll be out for a while. Um, so they'll be missing his services, but I mean, he'll be back sooner rather than later. I think he'll do some great things. He, I mean, he was looking pretty good this season so far. So,
1: yeah, Dylan, the Lakers. Like I mentioned, you mentioned they signed Tyson Chandler earlier. Since he's come in, they've won four in a row. Because remember, when we talked about the Lakers last week. They were struggling, trying to get the system going. Talk about maybe Luke Walton might make it through Christmas. But they've picked it up. And Tyson Chandler's done very well, averaging 8.3 rebounds, 1.3 blocks, and they steal a game. And he's boosted defense, the team's defensive rating. Because like the Rockets, who couldn't play defense, the Lakers couldn't either. So he's definitely helped that team out since he got let go by the Phoenix Suns. So we'll see how this plays out. Uh, one thing I want to mention real quick, uh, I know college basketball just started, but I just want to. We were talking about UCF earlier and how their college football team is trying to make the playoffs. So, just in case they may not make the playoffs, uh, the UCF Knights basketball team's off to a good start. Three and one in college basketball, they beat St. Joe's today, seventy-seven to fifty, I believe it was. So, UCF fans, don't worry if, if your college football team can not make it. At least the basketball team has a chance to make the college basketball version of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, Anything you guys want to mention in the basketball before we transition over to our favorite uh,
0: subject, which is hockey? I don't think so. I think it's time for some hockey news. So All right, let's get to it, guys. Um, let's talk about the Chicago Blackhawks.
1: Uh, Dylan, last week the Blackhawks had announced that they were going to part ways with part way, excuse me, with a uh, coach uh, John Quinville, and they let him go. Joe Quinville, excuse me. And since they let him go, the Blackhawks were on a Eight-game losing streak. They finally snapped that streak on Wednesday night, being the Blues one nothing. And right now, they are playing the LA Kings, who we'll also talk about in a minute, and they're losing one nothing. So, Chris, what is your opinion, what's been going on with Chicago? Coach Q, he's brought them three Stanley Cup championships, but like we talked about, the Packers, them going stale on offense defense, it seemed to be the same for the Blackhawks going the last year. Of course, remember, Dylan, two years ago, your Preds not, swept them out of the playoffs two years ago. And then last year, they struggled, didn't make the playoffs. This year, get off to a bad start, and then Coach q is gone. So, Chris, what's your opinion on the situation? What's going on in Chicago right now?
2: Yeah, I hadn't been following it o- overly closely, but I do question how effectively he was getting through to the players. I mean... Even, even now, I, I just think the, the players right now are – they're not all there as, as far as the right mentality and, and that, that type of change was needed. I mean, right now they sit sixth in the wild card, and I just think there's too much competition for them to, to climb their way back up. I mean, right now they sit with 16 – or they had 16 points the other day. Um, it looks like they're not going to gain any more tonight. I mean, they're losing right now to the Kings. The Kings don't have Jonathan Quick. They don't have, you know, their their franchise goaltenders. He's one of the ones that's injured. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But if you can't, I mean, the Kings right now are in dead last. If you're going to lose to them right now, it just goes to show you that there's not much hope. They're behind Arizona, Edmonton, Anaheim, Colorado, Dallas, all really solid teams. I just think there's too much depth for them to climb out of this, this hole.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think with Chicago, um, I don't like Chicago in the first place. I think Chicago's going to eat the Predators' dust this season again. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's good they actually hired their head co- They fired their head coach uh, because Quinville had been there for way too long. So I think that um, with that, it, it was definitely a, a move they needed to make. Um, we'll see if this new coach can actually light a fire underneath their butts too. Um, and moving into the later portion of the season. I mean, even the rest of the season, I think that something needed to change, and, you know, the coach was something they just needed to do. I think they have some good players on that team still with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Um, They have some good players, so I think that um, even though it is getting to be an older team in the league, I think they still have what it takes to make a run, and we'll see if they can do that with the new coach. Um, so another piece of news coming out of Tampa Bay, the lightning Vasilevsky is going to be out indefinitely, um, with a broken foot. He actually just got surgery on it, so he'll be out for, uh, several weeks at least. Um, so they've updated
2: him to four to six weeks out. Yeah. uh, That's, that's
0: huge for Tampa Bay. Um, we'll see if that affects their game at all. Um, having Vasilevsky not in the net for them, um, which I think it'll, you know, they'll struggle a little bit. I think with their goaltender situation, but uh, with Vasilevsky there, it's it's definitely a huge blow for that team. Now let's move on to an NHL trade. The Penguins traded Carl Haglund to the LA Kings for Tanner Pearson, uh, and both teams are really struggling at the moment. Uh, any more news on that, JC?
1: Yeah, Dylan. The Penguins decided to make a trade. This was, uh, I believe, on Wednesday when the trade went down, and Carl Haglund. He's been around a few teams. He was with the Ducks. He was with the Rangers. Then he was with the Penguins. And now he's going back to Southern California, this time with the LA Kings. Carl Hanlin was struggling. I think he only played 16 games and he only had one goal. And then the, guy, the Penguins got in return. Taron Pearson, same thing. He played about the same amount of games and had like a couple assists. The Penguins, Dylan, are really struggling. They lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. And what was crazy about that game, Dylan, was the Lightning, uh, their center, Braden Point he scored a natural hat trick in like three goals in ninety one seconds. And Pittsburgh was up two nothing. They're up two nothing. He got a goal late in the first period, and in like the first two minutes of the second period, he got two goals. The Lightning were up three to two over the Penguins, and then it went in that game. And for Pittsburgh, they're sitting dead last in the Metropolitan Division right now, really struggling. They got banged up players all over the place. And Pittsburgh felt they had to change the mentality because they're really struggling and they're trying to get back in the playoff race talked to my coworker Dave about it at work and Dave was like JT don't you know the Penguins don't start their season till March that's when we start playing so that's what he always tells me but that's how it is for the Penguins Chris you mentioned about the LA Kings the LA Kings as you mentioned they don't have Jonathan Quick uh Ilya Kovachuk hasn't done a lot for the team Jeff Carter's been kind of up and down and they've had injuries to deal with as well and that's why they let their coach John Stevens go and they're trying to turn it around for the Kings so We will see what happens. Uh, But Chris, you got anything to add on the trade there?
2: Yeah, I I think it's also going to kind of set the bar a little bit that this is going to be once the trade deadline starts to approach, I think it's going to be active, but there's not going to be any big name players moved you know, the, that high-end player that we all want to see move, that the, the quote-unquote hockey trade. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, maybe some second-line guys, but a lot of third- and fourth-line guys who get shuffled around as teams are just trying to find that last little bit of DNA, if you will, to, to push them over the hump. I think Pittsburgh does need to watch out just because of how far. I mean, they're coming off of two back-to-back seasons, Long runs in the playoffs, so their their injuries are starting to catch up to them. I believe they just lost Sidney Crosby as well for a couple of weeks. Um, you know th- those injuries are going to pile up and they're going to catch up. I don't see Pittsburgh making a huge huge splash this year, just because of the last two seasons that they've had.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, let's move on to our updates for our teams. We'll just do quick updates, real quick. Uh, the Nashville Predators they are on a current three game losing streak. Uh, they lost to the Anaheim Ducks in a shootout, lost to uh, the San Jose Sharks in a very close game um, by one goal, and then they lost to uh, the Arizona Coyotes last night by a score of 2-1, to one. could not um, tie up the game late in the third, qu- in third period. So with the Predators now, they actually have two players out that are huge players for the team, P.K. Subban as the defenseman, and uh, Victor Arvidsson's out for uh, – Four to six weeks with a broken uh, broken thumb, actually. So uh, we'll see what can happen with that team uh, and see who steps up in those places. Uh, JT, let's talk about the Capitals.
1: Yeah, Dylan, the Capitals, excuse me, the Capitals, they are sitting uh, fourth place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, the big news was we did get Tom Wilson back. He got suspension reduced from 20 games to 14 games. Uh, he played the other night against the Minnesota Wild. We beat them 5-2. to two. Even though the Minnesota Wild have been very impressive, the last time they got six players like see their players score goals and the Minnesota wilds have been a tough place to play. They've done really well at home. They were six, one and two at home. And last, the other night we lost to Winnipeg hope has been out. So you know, we had to use an emergency backup six foot seven tall goalie. And we lost that game three to one. We're playing the avalanche right now and we're down one, nothing. And of course against the avalanche, we don't have hope he's not playing tonight. Kuznetsov is also injured. He's not playing tonight. And TJ Oshie, is also injured, so he is not playing tonight as well. So, like the Penguins and everybody else in the NHL, since right now, and the Preds, we're banged up too, Dylan. So, uh, Capitals, you know, we're getting our players back from injury, but it's going to take some time to pick it up. At least we're still hanging in there in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Chris, how are your Bruins looking right now?
2: I uh, see so you want to talk about banged up. Uh, I think the Bruins have have a pretty solid uh, cap on that as well. I mean, you're talking. Six of their defensemen uh, – I remember going uh, – six of them are on the shelf right now. I remember looking at it today uh, as they're going into the game tonight. The only defenseman starting tonight who started the opener of the season on the roster is Matt Grizzlick at 21 years old or 22 years old. And, I mean, you got McAvoy down, you got Carlo down, Chara, uh, Kevin Miller – john moore five of your starting sixth defensemen, and your seventh guy in uro Vakaninen, he's now out as well i mean you've got two rookies on the ice tonight in dallas for them playing their first game they're playing w- really well actually i've been keeping an eye on it and um you know uh, Jakob zborl connor clifton they're both doing really well uh zborl, about eight minutes of ice time right now so I- i'm not sure if maybe there's a slight injury there or whatnot, but I know they're kind of trying to ease him into the NHL action because they're looking at him as a long-term defenseman on the team, uh, hopefully, uh, or potentially even a trade piece. So,
0: Interesting stuff. All right, man. Uh, let's move on to JT's favorite segment of the week. It's the football recap of the week. JT, the microphone's all yours.
1: Thanks, Dylan. As always, out of bounds, we're here to recap the latest from the beautiful game and from our weekend week lap, we had a lot of big games in Europe. We had their classicer between Borussia Dortmund and FC Bayern München. And it was a very exciting game uh, going back and forth. Robert Lewandowski got the first goal, and then Marcus Royce got another goal. And then Marcus Lewandowski got a goal in the 52nd minute, they he had a 2-1 lead. Marcus Royce gets his goal in 6-7 to tie the game. And then, of course, Paco Alcacer got a game-winning goal, 3-2 victory for Borussia Dortmund to give them a 7-point lead over their rivals. In the Copa Libertadores, finally got Boca Juniors taking on River Plate from Argentina. Boca Juniors and River Plate finished 2-2 draw. They will play the second leg on November 24th. Manchester City won the Manchester Derby this past weekend over Manchester United on Sunday with a 3-1 victory. Manchester United clearly got dominated out of the field and they got outshot that game 17-6. Manchester City has a 12-point lead. They're in first place while Manchester United is sitting there in eighth place in the Premier League. AC Milan and Juventus Cristiano Ronaldo gets a goal And he's considering a stellar start for Juventus As they won their game 2-0 over AC Milan And they are keeping their 3-game On beating streak and leading Serie A AC Milan is currently in 5th place PSG Destroyed AS Monaco 4-0 Cavani got a hat trick In that game and It's not looking good for AS Monaco Because they were down the relegation zone But for PSG they have won all 13 games only European team has done that so far. They won all 13 games and they're leading league on with 39 points. Barcelona lost this past weekend. Even though Messi made his return from an elbow injury, he could not save them. They lost to the Real Betis four to three. For Orlando City news, Orlando City they announced a partnership with VfL Wolfsburg. What that means, Dylan, is that they will do loan players and exchange players and do training in Germany and probably do some training here in Orlando. So that's a very exciting partnership for them. Uh, no Orlando Pride news at the moment. For the Orlando Seawolves, though, they did make their debut uh, a couple weeks uh, last week against the Brazil Mini Football Team. It's the indoor soccer team that plays in the Major Arena Soccer League. And they won in overtime, Dylan, with a goal from Rafael Tobias to give them the 3-2 victory. Uh, their coach, Tom Tracker, said it was very anxious because Tom Tracks is his new coach, trying to learn it to the player's team. They're doing well in training so far. Their first game will be on November 30th in that league against St. Louis Ambush. So very exciting things for them. Uh, the USL final was last week. Louisville City, they won 1-0 over Phoenix Rising FC to win back-to-back championships. So congrats to them in the MLS playoffs. Pretty much, you got teams advancing to the, semi, the championship round for the Western Eastern Conference. You got the New York Red Bulls taking on Atlanta United. And you got Sporting Kansas City taking on the Portland Timbers. Those series will begin on November 25th, so very exciting for the MLS Cup playoffs. For soccer news, we got some league updates. So for MPSL Pro, they're going to do a Founders Cup competition from August to November 2019. Some teams like the Cosmos, Miami United, Miami FC, Chattanooga FC, Detroit City FC will be involved in that league. So very excited for them, and then they'll begin regular season play in the spring of 2020 with more teams. NISA has confirmed that they will submit their application to U.S. soccer for their uh, sanctioning. They've already done that, but they did all the paperwork. It's all done. It'll take about two to three weeks. So by December next month, we should hear an update where they'll be sanctioning D3 along with USL League One. The U.S. women's national team finished the year undefeated, Dylan, as they won against Scotland. Alex Morgan, she got her 25th goal in 26 appearances so far. So, she's done very well. The U.S. woman, they had a 28-game unbeaten streak this year, winning 18 wins, two draws, and no losses. So, very impressive for them. The U.S. men's national team, Dylan, they lost yesterday to England 3-0. Very uninspiring performance for them. We'll see if they can bounce back on Tuesday against Italy. And then, of course, Joe Cole, he announces retirement for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Games to watch this week. Uh... We're gonna have Italy against Bel- uh, Italy against Portugal. That's tomorrow for the UEFA Nations League on Sunday. You got Belgium against Switzerland. Monday you got Germany against Netherlands. Germany already got relegated from the UEFA Nations League. And of course, I mentioned the United States. We'll see if they bounce back on Tuesday, and hopefully the U.S. Soccer Federation will find a coach. And that, guys, will conclude my football
0: recap of the week. Let's straight. Let's head straight into winners and losers this week. Um, Chris, I'm gonna start with you actually first.
2: All right. I do want to say JT there was one thing that you did miss earlier uh, I believe it was yesterday uh, New England Revolution def- defender Chris Tierney announced his retirement as well.
1: that's right that's right you did mentioned that
2: so just just want to make sure you got that in there as well um, so yeah for <laughs> winners <laughs> can't, can't let you forget uh, I got a couple uh, I got a couple losers but at first I'm gonna go with the winners um, I listed six names here real quick Alexander Yukashev. Uh, Jaina uh, Hefford, Martin Brodeur, uh Willie O'Ree, Martin St. Louis, Gary Bettman, all indi- indicted, if I can talk, into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, Yakishev, you know, huge part of that Soviet Russian team. He was playing for them at the age of 16. Martin Brodeur, still your all time wins leader and shutouts leader. So huge shout out to those, all of them, great careers in the sport of hockey, and congratulations to all of them for getting that all-time goal, you know, individual achievement award of, of getting in the Hall of Fame there. Uh, and, of course, Gary Bettman, you know, he's done, as much as fans hate him, he has done a, a lot for the league. So much respect to him for getting in there. Losers, uh, surprise here for you. I'm going to go with Ezekiel Elliott and all the other running backs in the National Football League because they all lose thanks to James Conner because he just proved they are now all replaceable at a lower contract price because Le'Veon has held out and James Connors has done almost every bit as much as what Le'Veon Bell did last year.
0: I like that. Uh,
1: Chris, I just – I was going to say, Chris, I just wanted to explain to the audience. I think you meant inducted, not indicted. I just want to make sure they work. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
2: inducted. (laughs) That's two completely different definitions. One other loser (laughs) as well. Go ahead. Go ahead, (laughs) Chris. Everyone is a loser right now because of the loss of Stanley. Had yes. to throw that out there.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Rest in peace, Stanley. Definitely so. Uh, JT. All right, guys. So
1: my winner this week is the LA Rams and the Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, they both teamed up this past week to uh, raise money to help those that have been affected by the wild, uh, California wildfires. So it's it's via United Way. So everyone's doing donating money for that cause. So great to see that. We know in California, the Southern California they've been Rough in the news lately, but great to see that they're trying to uh, help out people that have been affected by that. My loser this week is Patrick Mahomes, and what I mean by Patrick Mahomes not that he's playing; he's playing great. But I saw on Twitter that apparently he's obsessed with ketchup, and they were talking about that he's pouring ketchup on steak. Now I thought it was bad guys when, like, when I went to my grandparents' place, my grandpa he would always pour ketchup on his scrambled eggs. I was like grandpa like what are you doing man but ketchup on a steak dylan have you ever heard about this
0: i haven't heard not only steak
1: he also does it on mac and cheese he puts it on everything ketchup
0: he's a weird and
1: heinz uh ketchup company they announced that hey uh patrick holmes if you get 57 touchdowns this year we will give you free ketchup for life
0: because of heinz 57 that's why That's incredible. Uh, And I think he could possibly do it, too. I mean, of anybody out there, I think Patrick Mahomes this season could actually hit 57. So we'll see. But he's my loser this week. Dylan, who's your winners and losers this week? My winner this week is Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays for winning the AL Cy Young Award this year. Congratulations to him. He has had an up-and-down career so far, Um, especially his sophomore season. He wasn't playing too hot, but then this year he came out and proved it to everyone that he is – um definitely worthy of the Cy Young uh designation and then also my losers this week are Carmelo Anthony for uh getting dropped by another team and uh Mike McCarthy for doing so poorly as the head coach for the Green Bay Packers it's time for him to go I think this season will be his last for the Green Bay Packers so those are my losers now let's head over to final thoughts and JT I'm just gonna give you a final thought tonight um because yeah I just want to give you just one no. <laughs> sorry Chris Alright all right. <laughs> thanks. All right, guys
1: Well my final thought is just uh, Wish my friend uh, Fabricio a Good luck in his Open Cup match Tomorrow against the Soccer Soldiers Hurricane FC that's where they play in the Open Cup tomorrow I'll be up in Winter Garden doing coverage for Another soccer game for that tournament But it'll be a lot of fun and I just want to give A quick shout out to Away Days Football Those are the That's the small company that you can do Mystery kits do hats and stuff like that You just go on the website if you order kit, kits Only 25 bucks but they'll send you a jersey for twenty five dollars for a, a soccer team. Uh, it's usually an old jersey, like two, three years old, but uh, anywhere in Europe or across the, uh, the world, and you kind of learn more about it. So the jersey that I got was Nottingham Forest, which is a championship club in England, and that's a very uh, co- a club that's got a lot of history in Europe and everything. So that's great. So I'm just telling everybody, hey, uh, go to the Wave Days Football, give them a shot, go on the mystery kit, order a kit, and learn more about whatever club you get. It's a great deal. 25 bucks for a jersey? Come on, guys. You can't miss that out. All right, guys. Dylan, anything you want to say to the audience? Uh, one thing I will say, it is Thanksgiving next week. So in case we don't do a show next week, I just want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Of course, it was Veterans Day, so I wish every, all the veterans there a happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. Uh, Dylan, is there anything you want to say? Any shout-out before we uh, give people our info?
0: I think that's it for this week. Uh, but thank you so much for everyone listening out there. It was a great week. Uh, and Chris, thank you for actually joining us. And uh, thank you for all the work you were doing for the website. We've been getting some good things um, going for the website now. Chris is actually going to update our website pretty frequently. And we'll be getting some news articles, things of that nature on the website. And getting some good content on there. So, once again, thanks for that. But thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Out of Bounds with Dylan James. You can also follow us on Twitter, OOB Podcast. You can go to our website, out of or you can email me at Dylan with any inquiries you have about the show. Follow me on Twitter, Dylan underscore James and Instagram, Dylan James underscore FL. JT, what are your social media handles, sir? You
1: guys can reach me on Twitter. I'm at JT Saka88. That's at J-T-S-O-C-K-A-88. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Soccer Sports, And you can email me. It's at uh, JT at com. Chris, what are your social media handles?
2: So I'm pretty active on Twitter, uh, C Nozick, C-N-O-S-E-K, the number is 6342 is the Twitter handle. Uh, and then, of course, you can email me at the podcast as well, chris at com as well. Uh, like like you were saying, appreciate it. I got a, a lot of good ideas here for the website, so hopefully we'll get some of that up and running here shortly. Uh, actually going to go work on that a little bit here this evening and uh it's got some pretty good ideas so hopefully we'll we'll get that back up and running uh on a daily here awesome That's,
1: that sounds good chris and uh definitely uh, stay warm up there in bean town all right
0: <laughs>
2: yeah i'll try thanks
0: all right guys thanks for listening to the show once again and we will talk to you next week